You're listening to Novastream's Morning Brew, the latest in movies, TV, games, and pop culture news every morning. Good morning, Nova Streamers, and welcome back to the Morning Brew. This is the Best of Brew Sunday Morning Edition. Now, this is the first time uh, that we've done this, and it's not going to be me alone telling you the news. I have a guest, and for our very first guest, we have someone international. Uh, we have Jesse, aka the Bizzle oh, from I, I. the Bizzle Cast. Yes. Thank you so much for having me back, ma'am. Oh, these conversations are always awesome. I'm so excited because usually we have a run sheet. We know what we're talking about. Um, and I haven't given you one this morning. Nope. Uh, so basically what we're doing is running through the news. Basically anything you may have missed this week. We did miss a couple of episodes because of crazy E3 timings being out of bed all night. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Um, and you we're going to talk a little bit about... You should know, I am one of the world's best bullshitters. So, <laughs> whatever you say, even if I know nothing about, I'll, I'm going to try and slip something in there. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly Google, have Google on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so it's not going to be a um, typical morning brew podcast. So, sit back, relax, and let's start off with some news. So, movie news this week. We had a lot of trailers drop. Yes, a lot did. of trailers. What Have you watched any of them this week that dropped? I haven't seen any of the new ones. The most recent oh, trailer oh. that I've seen like more than in passing was obviously the Bumblebee mm. trailer. Um, oh, such a good trailer. Such give it to me. Trailer. What are the new ones? Maybe I have seen them. I watch so much on freaking YouTube. <laughs> so Dumbo was the surprise. And oh, I don't think anyone yeah. saw that coming. Um, and it looks like they're greatest showmaning it like it looks like it's going to be this grand musical spectacular hmm. and i'm not sure how a movie about animals and circus is going to fly in the current <laughs> in the current world am i the only person who has that fear I think Greatest Showman, I didn't see it, but I know it's about. I think okay. Greatest Showman romanticized something that actually happened, and Disney is going to romanticize yeah. in the direction of progressiveness, which some people are going to hate and some people will love. That's my prediction. Ooh, and how do you feel about Tim Burton doing it? Because we haven't seen a Tim Burton movie for a long time, especially with Disney. What, should I be worried about him being a sexual predator now that Chris Hardwick is a sexual predator? I mean, it never <laughs> ends. No, just like directing in general. Like oh. it's been a while. There's no Johnny Depp in Dumbo. <sighs> I mean, I'm more excited about Guy Ritchie doing Aladdin. Does that count as a yeah. comparison? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, think, honestly, I, think... I still have I still have my old Dumbo. Um, uh, you know, children's books. I love them. I don't remember seeing much Dumbo when I was growing up. So yeah, on TV, I mean. Yeah, I think it was a little bit before our time. Ah, uh, we're doing a little, a little old man Alistair, old man Brenner. Old I man, like it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a bit before our time. I'm not sure if you remember, but they released an image um, of Dumbo probably about six months ago, and the CG looked horrible. And then this trailer, it looks completely different. 
Yeah. Um, so I think that just goes to show how much has actually changed in this movie yep. in, in our six months. Anyway, that wasn't my favorite trailer. My favorite trailer was... Wait, can none. I just say one more thing about Disney? Oh, yeah. Sorry, go for it. Which I've been wanting to say in all of our discussion about Disney. I call myself a Disney whore and defend them, but <laughs> I don't really love the classic Disney characters like Kingdom Hearts, which we may get to. I, I don't understand. Like, oh, we'll get Goofy to and Donald and stuff don't really do it for me. And I'm not a big Pixar guy either. So I'm, I'm kind of selective. <gasps> I, I grew up in the 90s with Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, and, and Mulan and so forth. So I, I, I yeah. Oh, God, we'll get into that later. Um, best trailer, though, this week was definitely The Nun from Warner Brothers Pictures and The Conjuring Universe, which it is now officially called, according to James Wan and the studio. Did uh, you see go the trailer? on. Go on. No, but I heard it was great. Oh, uh, it is. Cr- I was not expecting it to be. I don't know. With the Annabelle movies, I thought they were great, but they weren't scary like i didn't i don't find that annabelle doll particularly creepy i find the real life annabelle doll freaky like it is scary but the one in the movie just didn't do it for me this trailer for the nun did it for me um i think taking it back to i think it's set in the 20s or 30s um in a very dark shadowy cold looking creepy convent is going to do it for me i don't do horror movies oh really too much of a scaredy cat ex machina is like the scariest movie i can watch oh wow okay Mm -hmm. well yeah so for me that trailer took it which sucks because i haven't seen get out and i haven't seen a quiet place i know both those movies are brilliant so it sucks for me being a fucking pussy excuse me for using sorry no you can swear it's fine Yep. Um, I didn't like Get Out. I, I think, and I think this is what a, a discussion I've had with a lot of Australians. I think it was great for Americans, but yeah. we didn't get it. I mean, I didn't see it, but I know it beat for beat. <laughs> I know what it's about. Yeah. It because, kind of was yeah. like, oh, I see what message they're trying to portray. But can, it, I, be, I don't know. can I be real here? It's very condescending towards white people, but white Americans deserve it for the most part. But I can imagine non-black people not from America, it might be like, what the fuck? Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't feel as a movie, I didn't feel like it worked. Mm -hmm. It didn't have a cohesive plot. And that's what I struggled with. The performances were great amazing performances but the plot just wasn't it needed more time in my opinion can i ask you a question about the genre in general actually yeah yeah sure um in the best horror movies Mm -hmm. um and uh, well first of all do you make the distinction between horror movies and like slasher movies i do well actually now it's horror movies and jump scare movies Mm -hmm. that's what i call them now like the paranormal activities the mm-hmm. all of those the what was the other one a happy death day mm-hmm. what was the one this year that was truly terrible and it had lucy hale in it oh. see the thing is if i want to scare the shit out of myself i rewatch children of men and it scares the shit out of me oh god um if i yeah i think there's definitely a difference so i saw a movie 
last week or the week before Hereditary. I actually saw it twice mm. because I was so traumatized by the first viewing. I had to go back and watch it again to pick up on all the stuff <laughs> that I missed because I was like just shocked and scared and it just fucks with your mind. So, so wait, much. hold on, hold on. The thought process here is I'm shocked, I'm scared, I'm traumatized. Let me do it again. <laughs> yeah, well, I went, so the first time I saw it, I saw it in a critic screening and I didn't have a plus one. So I saw it by myself. And um, a lot of the other uh, people who were there, because I saw it in a, in a morning screening, um, there was a lot of um, older people and I think they thought it was a cute – so in Australia, Tony Collette has a history of doing cute movies. Um, and so it looked like all these people were coming to watch this cute Tony Collette movie, having no idea what it was about, and half of them left in the first half hour. Hmm. <laughs> like, this is not a cute Tony Collette movie. Hmm. What are you doing? Oh, so, elderly so I, white Australia, get out. I have an actually deep question about horror movie construction. But first, yeah. I have to ask. With you and your partner, mm -hmm. you watch a horror movie. Who screams more? <laughs> uh, definitely him. He never watched <laughs> He never watched movies like horror movies before he met me. The first time I took him to a horror movie, he was like, oh, he's going to kill me. He was like... <laughs> No, he didn't cope. And um, I we went to watch The Conjuring 2 and he hadn't seen any of James Wan's films. And I was like, oh, my God, let's correct this. So I made him go through and watch the Insidious films, um, The Conjuring 1 and Annabelle. Nope. And mm -mm. he had nightmares for mm. days. I felt truly, truly awful. <laughs> but For Alistair's partner out there, I am with you. And re resist Alistair's siren call to see these horrible movies. <laughs> I think he's a bit desensitized now because we watched that many. I think he's just like, huh, okay. Okay, so here's my question. So in the, in the greatest horror movies, in your opinion, mm -hmm. where's the plot in terms of importance for, for the movies? I honestly don't know. Um, it depends if we're talking horror or slasher. So horror. I'm not about horror, like like artistic yeah. or semi-artistic horror movies, like yeah. it or Quiet Place or whatever. Yeah. So plot is integral, mm -hmm. is just as integral as characters. Okay. So some of the best have, even though the plot may not be revolutionary, it may not be completely fresh and new. Mm -hmm. It's how the characters and the actors work with that plot that essentially mm -hmm. take it from being a outstanding horror movie to, oh, I've seen this before. Eh. But you're so, talking about plot development with the characters as opposed to, as opposed to just plot twists, because let's be honest, the great horror movies are great because people watch them over and over again. Right. So you get the great plot twist once. So it has to be like the yeah. build up and the, the, it's like, I always say, again, I'm not bringing this in. I'm saying like Kylo Ren killing Han Solo. It's not great because it's a plot twist. It's great because of how it was filmed and set up, for example, as well as yeah. being a plot twist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably also the way that it's shot. So mm -hmm. a lot of movies recently um, just go for the jump scare and they crank the music and 
it just, I don't know, it just feels like a movie of jump scares. Um, whereas what we're seeing in the Conjuring universe and Hereditary and It and films like that is, so I think my favorite part of Hereditary was there's a scene, um, mild spoilers, where uh, a child is sitting like they've woken up from their sleep and the room's dark and the child like sits up in bed and you can see in the corner above the bed on the roof there is a figure hiding in the corner. Oh god. But it's just it's just light enough that you can't decipher if it's real or if you're just seeing things. Mhm. And as the child gets out of bed and starts walking towards the door, the figure slowly starts moving and comes into the light and you know it's coming. And it's not a jump scare, but it is still freaky. It is mm -hmm. like the technique is incredible. And it's something James Wan does as well. Because hmm. one of the things I keep hearing about Quiet Place, and obviously it's in the name, um, is that <laughs> it doesn't have a ton of jump scares and it's specifically quiet in certain parts, which yeah. makes it scarier. Yeah. I think the quietness definitely makes the tension real. Mm -hmm. And... I remember when I saw that movie at the at the cinema, I went on opening night and there was a whole bunch of millennials who, let's not get started on my opinion of millennials ruining movies because they are and I fucking hate them all. Hipsters. Anytime. Hipster millennials, the worst. Oh, anytime that, no, these were like true... Actually, I don't know if they're millennials because they were like 17, 18-year-old girls giggling, running in and out of the cinema, being dicks. That so should be an arrestable my, offense in my world. Yeah. Yeah. My partner brought in popcorn and I read reviews saying, do not bring loud food into this movie. So, I'm like, okay, cool, smart. And... Part of the fun of this movie was watching him stuff popcorn in his face anytime that the music was elevated or there was noise uh, happening on screen because he was too scared to eat it during the many, many, many quiet moments in this film where there is no sound, absolutely no sound. Hmm. And that was half the fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So well, I, I know you want to get to a lot of other topics, but I, you and I specifically, and I talked to my dad about this, about genre film, because you have fewer movies trying to make more money. Horror movies are very easy to make on a low budget. And if you make a good one yeah. on a low budget, people will see it and they'll make money. And yeah. we've seen three great Star Wars movies in terms of box office and one not so good one. You and I were, dude, in our last Jedi podcast, we were lamenting the state of the Marvel universe and look where we are now. Um, <laughs> and so I think, yeah, I think genre movies like Star Wars and Marvel and DC, and then you've got the horror movies and then you've got like romances like 50 shades. That's the future for better or worse. I, I think. Yeah, I think definitely, well, look at the Dark Universe. That was DOA. Like, that had one movie that flopped so hard. I'm so done it, with Tom Cruise. I'm so done with him. It killed that franchise. And I, I don't think it was Tom Cruise. It was the horrible script. No, he tried and to the, save it. He tried to save it. Yeah. Of, 
the lack of um, th- like those original mummy films. Yeah, they're not amazing. Well, in my opinion, goddamn you, amazing. Rachel Weisz is an amazing actress. I know. I know, I know. I love those films, but they're like I'm looking kidding. back and rewatching them. They're not like they're not they're not. No, it's exactly but, like Star Wars fan, old white men who watch the original Star Wars and can't see mm-hmm. that they're pulpy and corny. It's exactly yeah. that. Yeah. And I thought the mummy might have been, might have had that pulpy corniness and it didn't. Mm-hmm. It tried to go, well, for lack of a better word, dark. And it just bombed. It was so bad. And I even tried to rewatch it thinking maybe I was just tired or I wasn't in the mood and I couldn't get through it. I'm like, no, this is actually horrible. And I'm so glad that that whole, oh, cause that was meant to be Del Toro's thing. Yeah. He was meant to do that. Everything's and, meant to be Del Toro's thing. And That's he they finally away. gave him an award. Yeah. Yeah, and he walked away and did mm-hmm. The Shape of Water, and I'm so glad that he did. And now um, he's doing video games with Hideo uh, Kojima and the people behind Horizon and an amazing yeah. crew. And he's got his own, like, he's got his own deals with Netflix now. He's giving us Troll Hunters realness. Troll Hunters we'll is fabulous. Soon. I, I don't like Pixar-type anim- animation usually. Troll Hunters is yeah. fantastic, yeah. But that show, whoa. Have you seen the latest season? I'm like halfway through season two. I love it. Okay, cool. All right. We won't get to that. because Sorry, I keep sidetracking you. Three. So I'm gonna, okay. I'll push it forward. More trailers this week? Um, those were the main ones that can were I, good. Well, okay. Well, can I throw it back at you and ask you about Bumblebee? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I just found, despite my conspiracy theories, which are well-founded <laughs> about Haley Steinfeld and Christina Hodgins working together on Batgirl and Birds of Prey, which seems obvious, throw that aside, I found the Bumblebee trailer very restrained and touching relationship between two people that I was not expecting, even knowing Haley Steinfeld, knowing this was a lower-key project and not really liking the other Transformers movies. I, I found it very touching, honestly. And I'm very into like man, woman, machine relationships. So I don't know. It's, I think it's because what we're programmed to think we've had these Transformers movies for a long time. I've only seen one. And I've only seen the first one. Uh, and they've just been, so the first one I did like the second one. Eh. Third one. No. Fourth mm-hmm. and fifth. Mm, definite. No. Mm-hmm. So we're programmed to automatically think these movies are shit. <laughs> these movies are garbage. There's no character. There's no character development. The relationship between the Transformers and humans are always horribly stereotyped racist. Just watch the first 10 minutes of the second one and you'll see what I'm talking about. And this trailer, just that one scene where she touches Bumblebee's face. Uh when they first connect. And I was like, that has more emotion and more like more character than the entire franchise has had up until this date point blank period. Like that was incredible. I'm, I wasn't, this one wasn't on my radar. It was going to be a, uh, I'll watch it when it comes to Netflix. But now like I'm actually looking forward to it. I mean, you heard me me internet. You heard me and Brick Girl. I mean, we were open about the fact that we only yeah. cared about this movie because of Haley Steinfeld and Christina Hodgins. Um, I'm sorry if I'm butchering her name. Um, but yeah, 
I mean, and dude, I've been talking a lot about misplaced nostalgia in my Star Wars and other podcasts, but I mean, let's be honest. At the beginning of the first Transformers, the fact that Bumblebee's a hot rod is already fucking with people's nostalgia. And like, yeah. Bumblebee's not, a, he is a bee. I mean, he, you know, he, like, that's his, he's the underdog in the originals. Yeah. So not only are they making this more human and scaling it down big time, by the way, there was like an explosion plus the helicopter thing. That was it in the whole trailer. Mm. Most of it looked like a romance movie, if I have to be honest with you, like a friend <laughs> romance movie. And by the way, you get an actress who has more talent than all of the other actors you've gotten up to this point, including Mark Wahlberg, who's one of the most overrated fucking actors of all time uh, in Haley Steinfeld. And it's in a female writer who's up and coming. This is her first big project, but she's got other ones coming down the pike. Michael Bay's a producer, but by all accounts is hands off. I'm still yeah. not that excited about the movie, but the bottom line is I know I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm really excited to see Haley Steinfeld's next movie. That's basically where I'm at right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I can't believe it's this year too. Like, I can't believe it's October. First Aquaman. Like, uh, that's what I was going to lean into. So we've had some pretty big DC stuff this week. Um, I don't know if you've read, but this morning, uh, the writers of infinity war, uh, went on to Kevin Smith's fat man on Batman podcast. And, this is something I'm really irritated with a little bit with I'm, Kevin I'm going to actually agree with you ahead of he, time on this. Go ahead. Yeah. He like comes out and says how much he loves Ben Affleck and Ben Affleck will be the best Batman. And he loved Batman Fuck versus that. Superman. He loved Wonder Woman. He trashed Justice League. And since then he's kind of turned on the DCEU in such a big way. And he basically point blank said to the writers, how would you fix the fucking mess that is the DCEU? And their response was to remove Batman and Superman and focus, leave Wonder Woman as is and just do individual solo films and see what happens. And what really pissed me off about that was, um, Oh, sorry. And they went on to say that the Marvel Cinematic Universe was never planned um, and it's just ended up that way. And I went, hang on, that's bullshit. Can I tell you something that's, that's going to break your heart related to this? Yeah. You might have heard this. Do you know who the Russos wanted to kill in Infinity War Part 1 and were turned down by Marvel? Captain America. T'Challa. No. Yep. yep. The Russos wanted no, to kill Black Panther in the no, first Infinity War movie, no. two months after the Black Panther movie. I'm telling you, man, Marvel is on borrowed time right now. They're making out like bandits, but Black Panther drove all the enthusiasm for Infinity War, yeah. which was admittedly very good. But I agree, mm. Marcus and McFeely and the Russos don't always get it right. So, no. And, and, and by like, the way, to say you like Ben Affleck and Gal Gadot, but you don't like Justice League? Like, what? I am like a little bit shocked by this and I feel like I think you guys need to go back and watch The Incredible Hulk. The MCU was planned, mate. <laughs> it was planned. The Incredible Hulk flopped so hard critically and like commercially. Major flop, but it's still part of the MCU and it was freaking planned. Mm -hmm. Like you can't 
go and criticize someone else's universe and say you can't plan it when you did. Like, oh, it just graded me the wrong way. Anyway, Aquaman. I think, we've, sorry, sorry. Uh, just really quickly. I yeah. think what they were trying to say, which actually doesn't make this whole thing any better, is the same thing we've all been saying, which was they were trying to force a team up a little prematurely with BVS. Yeah. Not that BVS isn't a good movie, but they shouldn't have been worried about building the team up, build the characters, which they mostly yeah. did, um, yeah. except for Henry Cavill, who is criminally underused, and I will keep yeah. beating the drum. Henry Cavill, Man of Steel, part two is, would be great. Ben yeah. Affleck's the one I'm not, com- I, don't th- I don't trust his commitment, even though I like yeah. him a lot. But this was, this was like bordering on what we call a platitude, which is a truth so obvious that everybody knows it, right? Mm. So, yeah. And by the way, Kevin Smith it, it has, hasn't directed a good movie in a long time. I love the guy. He's a Star Wars fan at heart. He's all over the place with the comics. His Green Hour comics are pretty good. He's written for the CW, as I'm sure you know. But, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I mean, I don't think this is like great journalism here (laughs) yeah um sticking with dc though we've had some images the first images from aquaman released yeah um now we call it different i call it aqua you guys call it aqua um Mm -hmm. i'm not going to go into my fanboy even though i want to um i feel like these images are spectacular but this could be my fanboy it looks tonally and visually different from a lot that we've seen in the DCEU, which makes me very happy. Um, I don't know if we uploaded this, but an image leaked last night um, and it was basically an underwater battle with um, some Atlanteans riding some bull sharks so like and underwater Themyscira without the women. So, yeah, pretty much. So there was Atlanteans riding bull sharks and then armored up seahorses on the other side. And then Nicole Kidman, Jason Momoa, Amber Heard in the middle with their tridents connecting. And it gave me such shivers and such excitement for this film because I think it has the potential to be like Wonder Woman level good because it's taking us to a place we've never been before, characters we've never experienced on the big screen before. And I think this is where the DCEU could flourish in that focusing on characters like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Flash, who have not been flogged to death on the cinema screens for the last 50 years. Okay. Have you seen the photos, first of all? Yes. Okay. I've seen all the photos. What's your opinion? I love looking at Amber Heard. (laughs) Um, I'll be totally honest. I'm going to be totally honest. The worst case scenario, okay? The worst case scenario is this is your Han Solo. That's the worst (laughs) case scenario, is that it's all fan service. It looks... I mean, dude, say what you know about Solo. It looks spectacular. Best effects oh, yeah, of any definitely. of the Star Wars movie. Amazing effects. Yeah. Aquaman's going to look spectacular. Uh, the lead will be divisive. Some people will be like, he's okay. Some people will really like him. But honestly, man, 
I hate to say it, and you know me and my strong, powerful female leads, but Amber Heard is going to need to rise to the occasion because Jason Momoa is just not dimensional enough. He's appealing. He's funny. He's got great delivery, both comedic and dramatic. I think the weakness of his character in Justice League was purely writing, and and he tried to do as much as he could with it. But... Amber Heard is going to have to stand out from the pack to make this really stand out. Um, you know, and the way, you know, Rogue One was supposed to be about a bunch of dudes, but it was the woman who really took the center stage and brought the yeah. women to the theater. Why my mother and my sister love a movie like that. You know what I mean? Like, and this is problem with Han Solo is like, I mean, look, the Avengers is making so much money because it's a dude's movie, but it's a dude's movie that girlfriends and female friends are willing to see because it's great and we love these characters and we have Scarlett Johansson and the Dora Milaje and everything. But Han Solo is also a dude's movie and women could care less because it's not Harrison Ford and it's not Princess Leia. So I, I don't think, <laughs> let's put it this way, I don't think Aquaman has Force Awakens 2 billion in it. But I do think it can do much better than Han Solo 300 million. I think they need to be happy with six to 800 million. They should be thrilled. I think it's also not coming out. It's coming out on, well, I don't know when it's coming out in America, but here it's coming out on like the 15th of December. Right. Which gives it legs because. No Star Wars. Yeah. There's no Star Wars. There's no Marvel. Mm -hmm. It's primetime cinema season for Australians, it was made in Australia. Yep. Like just the hype for our local community for this movie is bigger than Thor Ragnarok. I'm hearing more about the crew and support for Aquaman than I ever did about Thor Ragnarok. Okay. I need to step in I'm not saying it's going to be any different. No. But I'm saying local hype for Aquaman is higher than Thor Ragnarok. But I think there was a more... But I think there was more local crew hired for Aquaman than there was for Thor Ragnarok. Alistair, I want to get this on record on your podcast. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok is not a great movie. Definitely it's, not. In the middle of it, it has some great Thor and, and Loki comedy and the rock guy. The last third, where it's trying to be like poor man's Lord of the Rings in Asgard with Cape Blanchett yeah. is... I turned it off. I turned it off 30 minutes before the end. I'm like, I know how this ends. I'd rather just watch the force awakens of the last Jedi right now. If I'm going to rewatch something like I really couldn't take it. It was that bad. The little kids taking them up to the mountains and the secret pass. And we're going to hide them from all the orcs. I mean, it's exactly like Lord of the Rings. I thought I I feel like it was forced on Taika Waititi. I don't feel like he would have written that stuff or could write that stuff. Sorry. I thought it was just me. I was sitting in the cinema cringing. It's bad. And all these people were like laughing and having such a good time. And like we got out of the movie and my friends were like, oh, my God, that was so good. What did you think? I was like, I didn't like it. Well, because Thor's physical comedy in the middle is enough to carry the movie, but that's just the middle. And they were like, but – but you're just saying that because you like DC. I'm like, no, Marvel have not delivered me a good movie for ages. And then Black Panther came out and completely won me back. And then Infinity War came out and Tripoli won me back. And now I'm excited for Captain Marvel like you would not believe. Anyway, 
So back to DC. Well, I'm just um, saying Aquaman better have strong female and or minority characters or it's going to be a well, problem. Th- actually, this is what I do want to say to you. This is yep. why it sucks that you've never seen the Conjuring Universe films. Okay. Because they all have incredibly, incredibly strong female leads and female characters with depth front and center. And I truly believe that James Wan will not do a disservice to Amber Heard in this film at all. He's not that kind of director at all. Mm -hmm. But my worry is the Justice League scenario where it is a really good movie, albeit a little cleaner, but still doesn't get a huge audience. But as you pointed out, in December with Bumblebee and no Star Wars and no major Disney movies, it's in a great position. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I think it's. I am rooting for it. I love everyone from Game of Thrones. I'm rooting for it. Um, Also, we had some our first images from Wonder Woman eighty (laughs) four, and the first one came up this morning of her in her costume. And the main thing that I noticed is that's my hair. You hear that? That's my heartbeat going (laughs) fast. Sorry, sorry. The main thing that I noticed in this costume is her hair is the major difference for me in the costume pick. Her hair looks incredible. It looks, I don't know, it just looks very 80s. I'm kind of, it could be a funny frizzy perm situation, Linda Carter. I don't know. Um, But I would totally, I already feel like the hype for this film is so, so large and real and it's just started filming like the steve trevor thing i don't want to go down that road no it's it's a flashback don't worry about hours don't worry about patty jenkins is writing this there's no way she's gonna do uh, pull a bait and switch there yeah by the Um, way they closed off like half of downtown dc to film this for weeks which is like uh extreme i mean DC is like a war zone since 9-11. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, there's drones and fighter planes and helicopters all over the place. To film a movie like Wonder Woman and get the permission to, I, with the Trump administration, I have yeah. no idea how they got that permission. But somehow, Gal Gadot broke some people's legs, I think, and just forced them into <laughs> submission. God bless her. Like all great Israeli women. Oh, I love them. Ah. Yeah. yeah. I cannot get enough of her like just even following her on social media she's just incredible Mm. just i think she and i totally agree with this we need to throw batman to the side we need to make wonder woman the focus like the central point of the dceu i think her and henry cavill could be the two that can drive the DCEU forward and Aquaman. Well, yeah, definitely. But I they've got the powers like, to to hang together. Yeah, yeah. Like Wonder Woman and Superman could oh. be a great center. And I like the idea of throwing them in other people's movies, like as surprise cameos and mm-hmm. things like that. Or that I don't think there has to be a. We only see them team up in Justice League movies. Can I throw in a story think, idea at you? Yeah, yeah, go for alternate it. Real, uh, alternate universe, slightly different Justice League. What if you have Henry Cavill come back a little bit earlier as Superman and 
have him and Wonder Woman like start connecting immediately, and that's what puts pressure on Bruce yeah. Wayne. And we'll her and Henry Cavill take the lead. Batman sits in the back, and the Flash and Cyborg are going to go along with what's right. Well, look, there's um that game coming out, DC Super Villains, I think, in mm-hmm. October, and the whole premise of that game is the um, Justice League from an alternate universe appear and basically banish our Justice League to somewhere else. And it's up to the supervillains to save the Earth from this alternate reality Justice League. I've It's just such a weird concept. And for a game, I'm a little bit like, okay, this will be interesting. So I think maybe playing around with those kinds of ideas rather than sticking to the usual superhero trope kind of stuff could could give them their point of difference for superhero films in my opinion anyway it's should we a deep bridge, dark hole to should get we down. bridge to the video games because of spider-man and stuff or you're not we yeah, not ready to get there all all i'll just say is though there is a ton of movies out this week um so the incredibles 2 came mm. out Two days ago, you can read Britney's review Opening on our like website. $180 million or so, yep. We saw it together, um, me, Britney, Jackie, and all of us came out saying, that is incredible, huh? Pun mm-hmm. definitely intended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Britney gave it a full five out of five, which Jackie and I both backed <laughs> up and said definitely yes. Yeah. Um, and also, there is a movie out this week. It's a comedy. It is called Tag. My review will be going up later today. Hmm. I gave it a three and a half. I don't know if I'm the kind of audience they were looking for. The white, straight, bro dude audience is not me. Um, it had great performances and great actors, definitely great comedians, but they weren't given, given great stuff to work with. So I think hmm. there is an audience for it. That audience is probably not me. Um, but you can check out my thoughts later on today. You're a very generous um, reviewer with your scores. You like trashed um, Han Solo for three minutes and then you're like three out of five. <laughs> because I can still find, I no, can I still find positives and good in it. Um, whereas this movie yeah. was a bit, it was just me. I think if it came on a Sunday afternoon and it was three o'clock and I couldn't be bothered reaching to change the channel, I'd sit through it. Um, but I wouldn't go out of my way mm-hmm. to watch it, especially when The Incredibles 2 is sitting there. I know what I'd rather see. Anyway, this week, as I said before, we only had two episodes of Morning Brew because of E3. Um, because of the time difference, we were getting out of bed at 1 a.m., going back to bed, getting up again at 3, going back to bed, getting up again at 5. And it just really fucked up any kind of recording schedule for Morning Brew. So we do apologize. Um, But we are going to talk through E3 because so much happened. So much was announced. I kind of branded it in my overall review as the year of disappointment. I think last year there were so many surprises and so many reveals that weren't leaked and we didn't know about. That's so interesting because the narrative here is, is the year of good for gamers. And this year was kind of like... I'm with you. And Sony came out and said it at the very start of their conference. Don't sit here expecting any big reveals. And that flowed through, I think, to the whole, whole conference. 
as a whole. And I really feel like E3's days of being the, you know, um, over here they call it Christmas, it's Gamers Christmas. And I kind of feel like that's no longer the case. And moving forward, I don't think E3 is going to be the big thing moving forward because PlayStation, they save all their reveals for the PlayStation experience that happens in November every year now. That's where they're going to do all their big reveals. Nintendo have their, you know, Nintendo Directs that they release every three to six months. So that's where all their reveals are. And Microsoft, well, we'll get into that soon. Um, so, how much of E3 did you actually watch and consume? Uh, I watched a lot of trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... What was your so- favorite? Oh, The Last of Us. But that's Last that's just us? an emotional yeah. favorite. Um, I thought Ghost of Tsushima looked amazing. I still don't know what to make of Death Stranding. But between Kojima, Sony, and the Horizon engine that they're using, I can't believe it won't at least look amazing. Um I'm a horrible judge of Nintendo games. I'm a big uh, respecter <laughs> of Nintendo, and I have a 3DS yeah. and stuff like that. But I, I look, I thought Nintendo and Sony won before the conference, and there was nothing that happened to make me change my mind afterwards. Yeah. Because um, they're dominating games. And oh guess what? God. They're making single-player games. Oh, my God. What a shocker. No multiplayer. Sorry. No loot boxes. It, Sony and Nintendo, single-player, all the way, dominating the market. So, sorry, just a sidebar for a second. Yeah. Um, I have a message from Brittany here. Uh-oh. About Wonder Woman. Uh-oh. This is this. So, this is Brittany's um, Steve Trevor theory. Oh, God. This will be the new Flashpoint. Nope. She's so wrong. There's going to be no time travel. There's going to be a couple flashbacks to Steve Trevor and Themyscira. There's- oh, wait, sorry. No, no, no. That was Jackie's theory. Disregard that. It was in the okay. Jackie and Brittany chat. And I saw Brittany and I went, oh, what? Anyway. I mean, this was so my I- problem with the Flashpoint theory a year and a half or a year ago yeah, when Wonder Woman was coming soon. out. Well, fuck too soon. You've got a property that's amazing straight ahead. Why take it in curves and sideways? You know what I mean? Like we love seeing and Wonder Woman straight up kicking ass. Like why divert from that? Yeah. And I think like, hang on one second. I think we also need to see the Flash's origin story. I think, I think we need to understand more about the multiverse we need to understand more about um how his powers work and the speed force before they can delve into the like flashpoint and moving forward if you know what i mean here's my thing here's my thing i feel like i'm sorry go ahead no no um so you know i liked ezra miller much more than i was expecting Oh, yeah. I, ever, yeah. I think everyone was in that boat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the chemistry in general. I'm all about the chemistry with the team movies. You know, it's mm. it's all about the, and him and Cyborg were fantastic together. Um, yeah. But after three years of 
I'm sorry. I love Grant Gustin, but three years of Grant Gustin whining about his mom and his family on television. Uh, if I have to hear the same story like Batman, this is the problem with Batman. That's why I worry about flash. If you keep telling the same sob story about parents dying over and over and over again, people just get immune to it and get inured to it. And I, that's my concern. I feel like maybe the mom dying will be like a quick five minute scene at the start of the movie. And then I think the focus would be on getting his dad out of prison and how he has a relationship with his dad through a glass, a glass window. Mm-hmm. If that was the focus, mm-hmm. that would work. Hmm. Um, but I also really liked the casting of, um, and I'm going to butcher her name and I do apologize. Um, Kiersey Clemens as Iris West. Yep. She is incredible. Yep. And even when we saw that Justice League trailer that had her and the glass shattering, I loved that image. And I was gutted that they got rid of her. Mm -hmm. And Lord Snyder has himself said that he is doing his best to make sure that she stays as Iris West. He's got no power, no control. He got fired. I know, I know, I know. I'm just... I'm not saying he should have. I actually think Zack Snyder works better as a producer, just the same way I think Whedon actually almost works better. Well, I mean, Whedon's stepping into a producer role now, not a director's do you know role. How, do you know how you're saying he got fired? He's still producing Wonder Woman 2. Yeah, but they had to fight Brent Ratner, who's a, a woman predator, to get off the production Ugh. credits of Wonder Woman yeah. 2 because of legal reasons. I'm not saying that about Zack Snyder. I'm just saying production credits are very uh, touchy. And he did cast Gal Gadot. For which mm. I am forever, forever grateful. Yeah, I um, think everyone is. But let me, let me just put it... Wait, can I just say something about The Flash real quick? Yeah. Let me just say something about The Flash. So, you've got the origin story. We've seen over and over again. We see Oliver's origin story, Arrow. Same thing, over and over again. You know, all, all these stories, the same. Why don't you just do a crazy sci-fi time travel movie with The Flash? Why not? <laughs> Yeah. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. Because the physics, <laughs> the kinetics of Barry Allen running, as I've said to you, man, in previous podcasts, the kinetics of the Flash running on the CW is spectacular. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, not just the effects themselves, but it just, you feel like you're running with him. And they actually did a good job of doing it with the Justice League, but I'm almost like... You know what I mean? Like, let's stop trying to create alternate versions. I feel like Marvel and DC are both fucking up because Marvel's got Shield and these other shows like Inhumans, which have no connect actual connection to the MCU, even though they supposedly are. DC's creating clones. Don't you feel like there has to be some middle ground between these two? Um, especially yeah, because DC's doing so relatively well on other media. But I also think not everyone who goes to the movies watches the Arrowverse TV shows. So they're not going to know. There's a very, like the actual percentage of people who watch these shows is relatively small. Like they're not ratings juggernauts. People know of them, but they're not huge, massive, you know, Games of Thrones, Westworld type of shows. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, it's okay if we see the Flash's origin story again at the movies. Because unlike Batman, we haven't seen it six times in the last 20, 30 years. 
Can I ask you a crazy hypothetical? Yeah. Melissa Benoist. <gasps> um, what's her, um, who plays uh, Kyler Lee? Um, uh, um, Grant Gustin, Danielle Panabaker, um, Carlos Valdez, is that his name? Yeah, I know who, yeah. Ramon, um, and Olicity, <laughs> uh, Katie Lotz, and maybe Brandon Routh and a couple others. You make that movie, how well do you think that does if it's marketed property? Flops. Really? Straight up yeah. flops. Interesting. They're not movie stars. Okay. Not movie stars. I would disagree I think, only about maybe Melissa Benoist. She's a little young, but yeah. I think I think fans would go, but I mm-hmm. don't think... Because people would see it and go, oh, I don't watch the show, so I can't yeah. go see that. And, and to be honest, like, Ezra Miller did feel like the movie star version of Grant Gustin, even though it's not like he's objectively better, but he yeah, did feel like yeah. the movie... Because he's been in a ton of great indie movies, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. And he's such a good actor. Like, mm-hmm. such a good actor. Anyway, back to E3. <laughs> Sidebar back to E3. Yeah. So that Last of Us 2 trailer took me by complete surprise. I think my jaw dropped and stayed that way for that entire trailer. It gave us cinematic trailer. It gave us gameplay. And just the way it started, middled, and ended was perfectly crafted. And I think it's my favorite trailer of the whole show, hands down. Can can I predict slash brag about something real quick on the yeah, Nova Stream yeah. podcast? Go for it. So based on absolutely no knowledge of the numbers, I've been saying for about four to six months, I think The Last of Us 2 could sell 25 million copies. And I had my uh, main video game uh, podcaster who I do uh, do stuff with, Ethan, uh, look it up. And the combined sales of all The Last of Us and Last of Us Remastered is about 17 to 18 million. So I wow. I am not far off. Even though Horizon sold, quote unquote, only 10 and Zelda, quote unquote, only eight. This is a generation potentially changing game when you add that Ellie is clearly the main character. In fact, I've heard that Joel is dead in one of the timelines, basically. And so it's all Ellie in one timeline. It's Ellie and Joel in the other. Ashley Johnson, brilliant actress and voice actress Mm. doing Ellie. A tender young woman relationship, just like Life is Strange. It's going to be really hard because Life is Strange has two great young teenage women relationships, but... By all accounts, it looks like they're going to nail it with her being the lead. Um, I, I, the sky's the limit for this game. I think bugs and constant delays are their main um, enemy. Yeah, and we still don't have a release date, which I watched this video basically which predicted that a lot of these games like Last of Us 2, Death Stranding, don't have release dates on them at all. There's no... There was no 2019. There was no hints. Um, And this video basically predicted next E3, and I've heard this a lot, next E3 was when we'll get the new consoles. And Microsoft even came out and said in their conference that they were working on the next Xbox. And it wasn't going to be an Xbox One X2 or anything like that. It was going to be the next generation of Xbox. So I wouldn't be surprised next year if we get a new Switch new Xbox, new PlayStation console. And some people are predicting that this game, these games like Death Stranding, Last of Us 2, will be launch titles 
for the next generation of consoles. They've just been hyping the F out of them for the last couple of years. If it's true, going to be pissed. Hopefully, PlayStation are being coy and waiting till November, PlayStation Experience, to say, here's the release dates and everyone goes crazy. That's my prediction. Okay. So about the first part you said? Yeah. Two words. Strongly disagree. Ooh, okay. Let me give you two games. Uncharted 3 and The Last of Us. What do they have yeah. in common? They were released at the very end of the PS3 cycle, sold a yeah. shit ton of copies, and got people pumped for the PS4. That's exactly what's going to happen with Death Stranding and The Last of Us. They're waiting on the announcement because they don't know where the they want to release it close, but not too close to the new hardware, which I predicted, by the way, Sony was not going to talk about hardware at their conference, and they didn't. God bless them. Yeah. I'm so happy they didn't. But Me the too. next Horizon <laughs> and maybe the next Witcher and a couple other games... Honestly, dude, I'm seeing Horizon 2 as the launch game for the PS5. I mean, it just lines up so perfectly. It lines up so perfectly. And then, by the way, one year in to the new PS, God of War 2. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? So I think there is no fucking way in hell, especially because they're using the Horizon engine, which is based on the PS4 Killzone engine. There's no way Death Stranding's not coming out unless of really bad delays. Uh, and, and Last of Us is for sure coming out, but they don't want to put pressure. I've watched a million documentary videos on Naughty Dog and their games, and they don't like to put yeah. pressure on their writers and their actors. No. So that's, that's what's going on. Also with Death Stranding, that's what's going on. Sony is a team effort at this point i know technically naughty dog and santa monica and gorilla and 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 kojima are their own things but they are all playing together for the long game right now and that's why i said sony won before they want you know before the conference started they did that pretentious ass shit with the church you know whatever it wasn't necessary but i mean do you agree with me though that sony by announcing all the things they were going to announce ahead of time and then blowing us away with footage of the things and then walking out basically won it um, this is where I struggle. I don't go the whole who won, who lost. I, I think yes, that's not what I mean. Yeah, I think they were smart mm. to s- set expectations and then exceed those expectations. Um, because last year there was a lot of it was surprise central. There was hardly any leaks last year. And then Sony came out with, hey, guess what? Injustice 2 is coming in two months. What? No one had even heard of that game. Mm -hmm. And they just had announcement after announcement after announcement. And there were no leaks. No one knew what was going on. And so it was like, whoa, whereas this year we knew we were going to see new footage from these games. Excuse me. And the footage and the gameplay blew everyone away, which is what they're so good at. Marvel Spider-Man, bring on October. I'm already booking annual leave for at least four days, so I'm not distracted. Dude, I knew I know else. hardcore Xbox and Nintendo users who are literally buying PlayStations to play Spider-Man. Yes. I'm not making this up. Yeah, me too. I know people that are like, oh, no, now I'm going to have to buy one. I'm like, well, it's a good time. They're cheap. And you can also play like Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, like all these games. Well, that's that a split. Like, I taking think names. Uh, if you're cool to do a little recent history about E3. So, yeah, last year was sort of weird. If you go back to 2016, though, Sony started 
with a very like a full orchestra and it was a big reveal of god of war even though people knew it was coming but they didn't know it to what level it was coming and they showed a little gameplay but mostly cinematic stuff even though people didn't realize the cinematic stuff was the gameplay and that was what was going to blow everyone away but what did they follow that with they followed it with the horizon zero dawn trailer which people thought was just another trailer to blow people's minds aesthetically and then oh by the way we're gonna go fight the biggest beast in the game for 15 minutes on screen here with you um Mm -hmm. and and it like locked everybody in um and i I feel like they keep doing that over and over again with the cinematics and the gameplay trailers um and stuff like that what um, else stood out to you in, in E3? Just, just out of curiosity, because I just did a podcast on this. What else stood out to mainly, you from not Sony or Nintendo? <clears throat> well, not much, to be honest. <laughs> Microsoft was, hey, we've bought studios, and they're going to be working on first-party games. Yay, you're finally coming to the table. Yep. But is it too little too late? Probably. Yep. Um, I kind of feel like... I think the Xbox conference was a good presentation like it was a solid presentation um crackdown three delayed again no one was surprised um a new a new forza game whoop-de-woo um one of my friends summed it up perfectly when they said microsoft is all about guns and cars that's their games guns and cars and it's true their conference confirmed guns and cars um, the only other thing that really stood out to me was like the Nintendo stuff, <laughs> to be honest. Um, that's what I'm saying. Sony and Nintendo win- are winning every time now new, before it starts. There's a new Mario party coming that looks amazing. Yep. Um, I really liked the extended footage for Pokemon Go. Pikachu looks really, really good. And I don't even care that it's not a you know, um, typical Pokemon game. I'm happy for them to evolve. Huh? Um, and I don't know, like square Enix. Like I got up at half past one in the morning to watch square Enix, give a half assed intro and then show trailers that we've already seen. And I went, are you fucking kidding me? I will say, I will say. Why did you bother coming? Why? Yes. I, I criticize Squeenix like everyone. I think Final Fantasy the, the, the is overrated, even though I like Final Fantasy. Um, but also, yeah. their biggest game, the biggest title that everyone is talking about. Yep. They, yep. they didn't show anything from the Avengers. Why the fuck not? You gave us this gorgeous looking trailer last year. And then you come this year with nothing? Is it cancelled? Does well, that mean that you're done? Can I give you the positive side of this? Yeah. The first major trailer that they actually released as it was going on is the spiritual successor to Life is Strange. And what that tells me is they are selling so many more copies of Life is Strange that they're letting on, that they're featuring it so broadly People thought it was going to be Life is Strange 2. Now it's about a boy, but the animation style is similar. Same sort of adventure game. I think Square Enix is, is, is yeah, it's a delicate balance. I don't know how you feel about um, Final Fantasy and about um, 
Kingdom Hearts, but I I do give them tons of credit uh, for the Life is Strange franchise because I really think it's a beautiful thing that's spoken to millions of people, and the fact that they featured the the you know the next evolution, so to speak, uh, up front, relatively up front, I was impressed by. But yeah, yeah. Um, Kingdom Hearts three irritated me at E3 Xbox showed the frozen trailer and then square Enix showed the exact same trailer. And then for some reason, Sony got a completely different trailer showcasing, um, a pirates of the Caribbean level. So everyone was talking about Sony's kingdom hearts three trailer, which looks exactly not, like Jack Sparrow, by the way, it's crazy. Yeah. Not square Enix or Microsoft's trailer like that. Like, it makes sense because Kingdom Hearts has, up until now, been a PlayStation-exclusive franchise. Except for the off-games that went to Nintendo, question mark, and they were horrible anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. But now it's coming to Xbox as well, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people are worried because, like, Xbox did not sell well in Japan. And now they're trying to bring all these JRPGs to it. And it's just not going to work because I remember PlayStation came out and went insane in Japan. The PlayStation 4 sales in Japan were higher than the US. They were higher than any other country. Oh, Xbox sells almost nothing in Japan, yeah. And Xbox came out in Japan. And I remember seeing photos of um, this, like, one of the major retailers in Tokyo. And they'd set up um, a, like, a... uh, Oh, what am I trying to say? You know, those things that like help make a line like the, Oh my God. Protractor. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, like they'd set up a queue Ooh. with like a rope to like for people to line up. Oh, and, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And the photos were of like a couple of people in the line. And I remember the sales were like less than 10,000 in the first week. That's, like that says all you need to know about Xbox and Japan. So why are they bringing JRPGs to Xbox? Stupid. It's yeah. uh, it's not get work. a PS Vita. You can get like two dozen yeah. great JRPGs yeah. on the PS Vita for exactly. eighty bucks. And it's mobile, and Vitas are cheap as now. Look anyway. I look my takeaway. Because um, I know you want to move on, but my takeaway is. I agree there weren't a lot of surprises, but I mostly care about Sony and knew there weren't any Sony surprises. So I was just looking forward to seeing at the aforementioned games in various levels. And goddamn, does Last of Us look glorious. And the only problem with the original Last of Us was the combat system, and they really tweaked it for the remastered version. And so I have no problem um, <laughs> like predicting that that will be game of the year next year. Um, as God of War will be a game of the year this year. You heard it here, Bizzlecasters and Nova Streamers um, will be game of the year. But I will take away, man, that a few years ago, the company, big companies thought it was a good idea to start talking about services rather than games. And I do feel like this is steering back towards games. And it's because of Sony and it's because of Nintendo. And 
God bless them for it. I mean, whatever takes Ubisoft and Microsoft to get their heads out of their asses. My only problem with Bethesda is their games are buggy as shit. Oh, but- no. No, 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 no. Keep going. No, 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 that's it. I, I, I love Bethesda's back. vision. I just, I, I've been playing Bethesda Elder Scrolls games since the 90s, and I've had literally game-breaking bugs in every single game I've played since then, other than maybe Oblivion. Um, and, uh, but Ubisoft and Microsoft and Activision with their services and, you know, and so forth, they should just come out and say, this is a multiplayer game that we're going to try and sell you for 60 bucks. Great. You know what? I'd rather pay 60 bucks for Uncharted or Last of Us or Horizon or Witcher or God of War. But that's just me. If you want to pay 60 bucks for Destiny 2, Black Ops 4, whatever, those games should keep coming. I'm just arguing for separation between a multiplayer only and single player games. Cool. Yeah. Um, so let's finish. Let's round yes. this up with discussion. Woo! About your favorite thing in the world, mm-hmm. which is, as mm-hmm. we all know, mm-hmm. Star Wars. Yep. Um, so your podcast is very heavily focused on Star Wars and I'm going to say Marvel. and Yes. Um, it was built on the strength of the MCU but has shifted to Star Wars because I love <laughs> Force Awakens and Rogue One so much and Rebels and so forth. And I just grew up on Star Wars even more than comic books. But yeah, y- you know, I did tons of Black Panther and Avengers coverage. But sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so with, with Star Wars, what yeah. is it about it that you love the most? If you had to pick one thing. Can I, can I use you as an example? Yeah, go for it. The fact that my three top contributors um, uh, who aren't major Star Wars fans, you, Britt, and Maddie Goisman, Maddie G, all particularly love The Last Jedi, uh, either in ignorance of or in spite of all the controversy over here. That's why I love Star Wars. The fact that I bring my parents to see Rogue One and that's their favorite movie since the original trilogy. That's why I love Star Wars. Because Force Awakens mobilized people to get excited about movies again and uncynical. It is a often dark, Alistair, as you know. But even in The Last Jedi, I would argue uncynical vision. And there's remarkable depth, as we talked about in our Last Jedi podcast, with, with characters like Kylo Ren and Rey. And as great as the Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War have been, and goddamn, they've made $3.3 billion and are going, those two movies, and they were great, I still would argue that the deepest Star Wars characters are more interesting than uh, what, what Marvel has for us. And... Just because the Russo brothers were able to accomplish the impossible with so many superheroes, God bless them, but you still had it coming down to Zoe Saldana, um, Chris Hemsworth, and Josh Brolin, I guess I would say, as the main dramatic characters, and Star Wars doesn't even try and hide it. They say Luke, Rey, and Kylo. Those are our main characters for this movie, you know? Um, That's what I love about it. Um, but what I mostly love about it is that they can have a huge financial failure. And let's be honest, I'm going to be perfectly blunt to your Australian listeners. Han Solo is an uncategorical, ginormous financial failure for Disney yeah. that they saw coming, but not this bad. 
However, yeah. the response among fans here after all the toxic Last Jedi talk, which made way more money, has been a very, very positive. And the people who have been harassing everyone from Ryan Johnson to Kathleen Kennedy to fucking poor Kelly Marie Tran to Daisy Ridley all of these years are really coming out in droves and not hiding their politics. They're tying in Trumpism. They're tying in sexism. Star Wars fans talk about politics. Um, and I love that. And there's women and men and old and young. You know, I run into old black guys in my neighborhood who recognize my Star Wars shirts and talk about the old days. Young kids who are just getting into it, who love The Last Jedi and Rogue One. I don't know, man. I mean, there's there's so much to love about it, and I just have to hope that the financial failure, which, by the way, is not an artistic failure of Han Solo, which you saw, and despite your many misgivings, you did admit there was great character and charisma in that movie. Um, I have to imagine, especially with all the Marvel money and the Incredibles money, they can absorb one big Star Wars hit like this and move forward. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Sorry, I've just preached for a while. No, it's okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the future of Star Wars. Yeah. What do you see as what's your ideal future for the Star Wars films? Are there any characters that you would like to see have their like solo huh, film spin-offs? Um, any kind of timelines or um, particular because you know a lot about the books and yeah. the lore and all that kind of stuff. Are there any kind of storylines that you'd like to see them go down or mm-hmm. characters you'd like to explore further? Okay, so on a more specific level, I'm particularly excited about John Favreau's um, live action adult TV series that takes place right after Return of the Jedi. Um, okay. But I'm going to go a little film a nerd um i hope your listeners they might be very interested in this or not but i know that the following seven movies are definitely happening you ready yeah three from ryan johnson who we both love from the last jedi three from the game of thrones co-creators who ran the first few seasons of game of thrones and are bringing all sorts of Game of Thrones talent. It's not my favorite show, as people know, but it's undeniable. It's appealing to people, and it's very creative. And they're going to be doing like a medieval Jedi, like old school, how did the Jedi and Sith come to be kind of thing. Lots of lightsabers and mysticism. So that's six movies right there. By the way, Ryan Johnson's not directing all three. He might not direct any, maybe one. He's hiring women and minorities and so forth. I think Ryan Coogler... um, uh, uh, Kugler and um, uh, I think Kugler's at the top of the list for Star Wars movie if he wants it with, with Ryan Johnson. I guess Ava DuVarnay's stock has gone down a bit with Wrinkle in Time, although she's still well respected. Um, however, the seventh movie is an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, which, guys, major spoiler alert. The big reveal at the end of Solo, a Star Wars story, was Darth Maul, who, if you've watched The Clone Wars and Rebels, you know came back to life in a new and more vicious form where he's not serving either side, he's serving himself, but connects with Han Solo's first love, played by Amelia Clark of Game of Thrones, Khaleesi, who plays Kira, and he's in the underworld. And he's connected to Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he's connected to Alistair, who I still think is the most popular new canon character, more than Rey, who's Ahsoka Tano. 
Because after Revenge of the Sith, we only had the Clone Wars until Disney bought it in 2012. And Ahsoka Tano, mm. as a young female alien who was just a badass Jedi in the body of a female, young female alien. Um, is this, sorry to interrupt, is no, this no. the, she's got like blue, bluish hair with like. She has, okay, so do you know in Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi, he, he's got those women with the long things dancing for him? Yeah. 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 Okay. So those, those aliens are called Twi'leks. Um, and Ahsoka's essentially from a cousin race of them. And it's, yeah, it's like white and blue long. It's skin though. Yeah. It's not hair. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And she's got face paint okay. and she was awesome, but she's become legendary through rebels and was involved in like the key final rebels episode. Spoiler alert. And, uh, can I just drop a little lore on you real quick? Cause you're a prequels yeah, guy. Definitely. Okay. Did you know Darth Maul had come back in the canon? Uh, no. Okay. So he came back, which normally would be lame, but A, they got an amazing voice actor, Sam Witwer, who's in Battlestar Galactica. He does the Emperor Palpatine's voice. He's a great actor, voice actor. He did sort of a golem version where Darth Maul never really came back to himself. He's kind of nutso. Um, uh, and, uh, but, but so basically what happened was, so you know in Revenge of the Sith, when Palpatine snaps his fingers and they just start killing all the Jedi? Yeah, yeah. Well, before that happened, there was a giant battle on the planet of Mandalore, which is where Boba Fett's armor comes from. And if you've seen the other materials, you've seen the Mandalorian armor. And Ahsoka, who had sworn off the Jedi Order voluntarily for very similar reasons to Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, because she realized it was bullshit and causing problems, <laughs> nevertheless stepped up to the plate voluntarily, fights Darth Maul in the final battle, beats him hand to hand, but then has to go running into the wilderness because all the Jedi are being persecuted. And Obi-Wan is involved with Ewan McGregor, Anakin. I don't know what they're going to do about Anakin. Um, mm. they're, they're not going to bring Hayden Christensen back, but the Siege of Mandalore battle and everything leading up to it is a very Rogue One-esque story, but even more recognizable characters like Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, who I think is people's favorite new canon character. And so I think the main problem, man, is Han Solo is too much fan service. I think Rogue One did, even though I know you don't love Rogue One, but it wasn't like rubbing expositional fan service in your face. It was yeah, showing, yeah. not telling, right? Yeah. It was through imagery and through vague references and so forth, or, or, or side characters like Mon Mothma. And I think the Siege of Mandalore Ahsoka Obi-Wan movie is exactly what they need to tie together the nerds. Um, and the mainstream but yeah back to my main point sorry for the ramble three movies from ryan johnson three movies from game of thrones uh obi-wan mm -hmm. movie and a john favreau tv series plus a new anime series with poe dameron your boy as the lead star mm -hmm. they're doing an anime pre uh force awakens anime series with bb8 poe phasma leia and other characters who we love as well i think the problem was they bought the property at the end of 2012 and they gave kathleen kennedy less than three years to prep for a giant movie a year every year for eternity yeah. and they hired yeah. some directors that they regretted you know mm. and even jj had some problems gareth edwards you know god bless him who did rogue one they brought in writers luckily with gareth edwards it was never near firing him because he was all about bringing in other people he realized he was over his head they had to fire mm. lord and miller behind solo i think uh, ron howard did a great job but i think they have their priorities ahead of them and honestly man i think the 
best thing Lucasfilm could do other than releasing TV stuff is to basically shut up until December of 2019. I think that is the best thing for them to do. I'll shut up now. (laughs) That's okay. Cool. All right. So sticking with sticking with that when if you had your if Kathleen Kennedy came to you and said we want some fans opinions on what we should do next you mean after I kissed her feet on my knees (laughs) yes after that after that ceremonious occasion what would your what would your opinion be or your um, what would you say to her if she asked your advice on what to do next? I wouldn't change anything. I guess the, 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 the dream property would be um, cast a 13 or 14 year old Leia. Oh, this was the part I forgot to mention, man, was after Ahsoka beats Darth Maul at the Siege of Mandalore, runs into the wilderness. She meets up with Bail Organa, who's Leia's adoptive dad, and ends up working as a secret agent for him through the end of Return of the Jedi, essentially. Um and so I think a uh, 20-year-old Ahsoka and 13-year-old Leia getting to know each other show um, and sort of the spark of the rebellion, whether it's cartoon form or live action form is what I would love to see. It's really hard to recast 19-year-old Carrie Fisher, but I think a 13, 14-year-old, if it was the right person, would be great uh, with Ahsoka. We know they have a relationship from the literature, but in terms of Kathleen Kennedy, I would honestly not tell her to do anything different it was not her call to release this in May instead of December. They lost hundreds of million dollars by not releasing this at Christmas. They conditioned people to release these movies at Christmas and see these movies at Christmas. That was not her call. And as in my other podcast, I don't think she's leaving, but the only condition upon which I'd be cool if she left is because she's literally not stopped producing movies since E.T. in 1982 with Steven Spielberg. So she's getting a little older and wants to spend time with her family. But after they gave that Pixar douchebag six months after his accusations of being a skeevy douchebag and they finally got rid of him. If they get rid of Kathleen Kennedy, I will even be off the Disney bandwagon, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I would, I would thank her. I would congratulate her and I would tell her for the sake of all of us. And I speak for many men and women in the star Wars universe. Please, please, please keep fighting for this thing that we love. Awesome. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Morning Brew. So make sure you stay tuned. We're going to do this once a month. Um, we're going to recap the news and bring in a friend. So thank you so much for for coming along. I know it's nighttime there and it's your weekend. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but, this is nothing I'd rather be doing else there. But plug away your stuff. Yeah. So... So my podcast is called The Bizzlecast. Actually, Elster, you'll be interested to know. My 200th podcast upload will be tomorrow night. It will be The Phantom Menace full-length commentary with Jedi Geek Girl. Oh, wow. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I've done the, <laughs> I've so done Revenge of the Sith by my yeah I've done Revenge of the Sith by myself before a while ago, but this will be my first prequel for a while. So bizzlecast.com, dot com takes you right to our SoundCloud page, or just look up Bizzlecast on iTunes. If you look up the Bizzle eighty one on Twitter, uh, Bizzle uh, Facebook dot com slash Bizzlecast. Actually, really appreciate Facebook if you guys are on it. That's sort of my main headquarters more than Twitter, although I'm active on Twitter. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, just please just like, and subscribe and download, even if you don't listen to it or don't listen to much, any support reviews, everything is much appreciated. Um, I know we always kiss each other's butts, but Alistair, this the <laughs> relationship we've been forming over the last six months or so has been great. Yeah, um, even though incompetent folks like Brick Girl keep getting in the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, love you, no. Brit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just thank you so much, Bizzlecast. Any, just search Bizzlecast, guys. You'll find me. I'm the Bizzle. Yeah. So thank you, um, Alistair. That's okay. If you look in the show notes, we'll have all the links to um, their Facebook page and SoundCloud page. So you can follow it all there. Just click in the show notes. I will be back with you all again tomorrow morning. So make sure to fire up your podcast players at 6am for a brand new episode. I'll cover all the news that's been released this weekend um, and anything that drops in from America overnight. I'm Alistair and I will see you all tomorrow morning. Yay. Bye guys. <laughs>